Project Room. I recently had a conversation with writer, actor, director, and producer Perez Owino. Perez was in Seattle for the Seattle International Film Festival and the premiere of her first feature-length directorial project, Bound, Africans vs. African Americans. Perez had great stories to share about what went into making this film, her younger years secretly studying theater, and where she learned to use her imagination to create things. We just jump right in, so thanks for listening. first taste of performing? Uh, it would have been my first, I started writing before I started acting. So I started writing first. I think I wrote my first, my, I was talking to one of my cousins last night and she was like, you need to get all that stuff you wrote when you were 10 and see what you can do with it. I was like, yeah, I was 10. What were you not writing? much you could do? You know, like those cheesy like love stories, like a boy meets girl and all that nonsense. That's literally what I was writing when I was 10 and 11. I mean, I used to turn on the radio and listen to like smooth jazz. Who's doing that at 12? So I'd be writing to that music, yeah. And then uh, that's when I went to high school. I know, right? I went into high school and, um, and they were doing these auditions for drama club. And I was kind of just sitting in the wings and I'll never forget her name. Her name was Bernadette Abuya. This is back in the 90s. And she literally grabbed me and threw me on the stage and says, you have to audition. And it, so it began. And then I started acting. And the thing about when you grow up in Kenya and you're part of like the drama festival, no, with, with every high school that you're in and you're part of the drama program, part of the process is you have to always create original material. So you grow up four years of creating original works, which means original plays, original traditional dances, original poetry for competition. Mm. And these were things that like, you would write with, with your fellow yeah, students with and you would like, put them together? Yeah. You'd always have to do one play in English, one play in Swahili, then you'd have to do two poems, one in English, one in Swahili, then you'd have to do a 15-minute traditional dance that actually has a, a story within it. And so after all that, and, and you don't have money for props and all that stuff, so you're creating everything. You're creating your wardrobe, you're creating everything, your lawns were paint. So by the time you do four years of that, and then you move on and you go into university, the whole idea of creating from imagination and scarcity is born. So that when you go into an environment and you're like, oh, you need to do a documentary and this is the budget that you've got, then you go into your mind and say, what? Can I make out of the, this that I have? How can I mold this to create something spectacular? Wow. So that was yeah. hugely influential those Very. early years. Wow. So Very. then when you went to university, did you continue performing? Was it, or no. did you take a break or what happened? Let me tell you what happened. So my dad was not really into this artsy business. Uh, what did he do? My dad was an engineer. My dad is an engineer. Okay. So the whole concept of trying to make a living doing art was just beyond him. He was mm. like, wait, doctor or lawyer? Those, those are your options. <laughs> doctor or lawyer? And so my sister was told she was going to be a doctor, so I had to go off and be a lawyer. So I was studying political science. So I'd call home and I'd be like, yeah, my classes are going this way and this way. And then I went and made sure I got a scholarship for theater. So he would call me and be like, why is your education taking so long? But that's because I didn't tell him I was studying theater. Like you were doing two majors? <laughs> At the same time. And so it took longer to finish. It took you were, longer. You were doubled up. Yeah. And so he was wondering, he's like, what is taking so long? 
And then when I was graduating, I was like, he's like, okay, so you're graduating. I said, yeah, I'm graduating with, uh, with two majors. He said, oh yeah, I didn't know that. I said, yeah, one in political science for law school and the other in theater. <clears throat> that was the first time he heard That's this? That's the first time he heard I, was, I, was, I had majored in theater and the performing arts. You are sneaky. I, I, I did, but I had to make sure that he wasn't paying for it. So that's why I went to get the scholarship. Wow, you're so resourceful. Again, very resourceful. (laughs) Wow. So so then what happened? I know, then he was like, okay. But then he says, you know, you're old now. So yeah, there's nothing I can do. So Mm -hmm. good luck. Good luck to you. (laughs) With all that. So I'm like, okay, yay. Wow, good for you. you. Yeah. That must have been a really rigorous academic experience. It was. There probably wasn't much overlap between those two majors. No, there really wasn't, and um, and I had to take you know because you're in, you're in college, so I had to get two scholarships. So I had two scholarships because it's really expensive when you're an international student because you're on a completely different pay scale than other students. So I had to get two scholarships just to reduce the amount of, of funds that you know my parents had to send over, and then I had to get two jobs and just to cover the rest of them. It was it was crazy. Wow. It was four And that's how much years. you wanted to do it. That's I how mean, much you wanted that's to where do your it. passion was, obviously. Yeah. And I still got it all done in four years. Wow. I think it was four years, yeah. That was insane. So when you so then when you graduated, did you have a clear vision that that you wanted to be in the arts? No, when or? I graduated I was tired. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I was exhausted. I had I was so exhausted. But I remember I moved to LA with like ten dollars. On like a credit card, yeah, I would not recommend anybody do this. But I moved to Los Angeles. I was like, that's it. Going to LA, I hitched a ride and I was I was in Los Angeles. And I think it was like the most miserable year of my life. I was so miserable. Because I didn't know anybody. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And but you have this dream, you don't know anyone, you have no job, and it was just crazy. But again, the resourcefulness. Right. You find a way, you always find a way, you find a way. I remember I came to LA, I crashed on a friend's floor, then I, then she met some girl who was a friend of mine, who's a dear friend of mine now, who's a film director, Sechua Powell. And they, they, she introduced me to Sechua, who let me crash on her floor for like mm. two weeks, and then I had to move, and I found this hostel that allows you to like room and board in exchange for work. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I started to get back on my feet. Mm. It, was, it was insane. Oh my gosh. So how good. many years ago was that? I don't want to date myself. Okay. Uh, how many years ago? I can't even remember. The reason I'm asking is because, I mean, do you ever look back to those days and then sort of like flash forward to now? And yes. I mean, what is that like? Because it seems like, oh my gosh, so much has no, let me grown tell you, and changed. Let me tell you what that did. Because once you're in that space where you have seen the bottom and not like, you know, you know um, not like, you know, bottom, like when they say people who have addiction or anything. But when you've seen, because everybody's afraid of failure, afraid of being homeless, afraid of all that stuff. But when you've seen it, the fear dissipates. You don't have that fear anymore because you know that you, you, know that you can survive down there. You just know that you can. Mm-hmm. And that it's not something to be afraid of. But, that it's, but it inspires you. Mm-hmm. So every single time when I don't do anything daring, I remind myself that I crossed the country with $10. So Perez, it's time for you to do something daring. It's time for you to do something daring. So it pushes you, you know. That's that's how I look at it. At least. Wow. Yeah. So um, 
when you were thinking about um, making this film, Bound, um, which I have so many questions about because I loved it yes, thank so you. much. Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. Um, what, was the, what was the seed of that? Because it's, you know, you have to wrap your arms around a really complex, yeah. big idea, right? Yeah. And you have to distill it to something like an hour and a half. Yeah. But was there something that really set you off where you're like, this is the time or this yes. is my chance? Yes. What was that? Because that also requires you to be bold. It was myself. It was myself living in a completely black neighborhood and not knowing any of my neighbors. Mm. And that comes up in the yeah. film. Yeah. I not, did not know any of my neighbors. Mm -hmm. Did not know any of my neighbors. Did not have the desire to step out and meet my neighbors. And that bothered me. And I said, what is going on here? Why am I closing myself around, closing myself off from the people around me? And I, like, I literally would be at work until like 11, 10 p.m., go home, go to bed, go to work in the morning, come back at 10 p.m., go home, go to bed. In the weekends, I'd be in the house. Mm -hmm. In the house. I didn't know my neighbors' names. And that was completely un-African. Mm. That is as far away from African as you could possibly be. And I knew something was wrong. And it wasn't the people around me. Something was wrong with me. Mm. You know what I mean? And I was like, I have to figure out what this thing is. Then as I go out and I spend time with my African friends, these conversations are happening. And it's just this thing that we have isolated ourselves. You know, we're like talking about African-Americans as the other, you know. Mm -hmm. But then when I look at my brother and I look at all these black men on the street, I feel this love and longing for them. But then there's also this place that doesn't want to interact, but there's this place that wants to interact. Mm -hmm. So there's this conflict that's going on. And I'm like, ah, oh, what is happening here? Mm -hmm. And then I was just like, I've, 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 I've got to do something about this, even if, and so I initially wrote it about, I was very, I removed myself from it. In the initial mm. drafts, I removed myself from it. Oh, wow. That's yes. hard to imagine because it seems, it's very, coming from a personal yes. experience and a personal because place. Isaiah came to me and said, Perez. Isaiah Washington. Yes. And he, he watched came, it. Ah, and he okay. said, your story needs to be in here. He oh. said, you go back and put your story in here. And everybody would tell me that, and the associate producer I used to would be like, why are you fighting not to put yourself in it? Because you need to be in it. Why were you? Why were you removing yourself, do you think? I, I have, I, I don't want to say, I think there was a hesitation, there was a fear. Mm -hmm. But then there's also, you also have to remember that I'm an African. And part of the African thing is to be of service to others. And when you put yourself in the middle of a story, it feels like you're being of service to yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's really frowned upon mm -hmm. <laughs> like, it's also it yeah. could be really scary too yes. to say this is me I mean you're exposing maybe yes. a certain side of yourself yeah. that would feel risky in a way it, yeah. but then you must be glad because in the end it's so much more powerful yeah it is I'm actually glad I did that because what was happening in this documentary took four years to make but the problem was we could not find people who were willing to put themselves on camera and I think one of the reasons we couldn't was because the doggone director is not going to put herself on camera. Oh, so you have to set an example. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. How, what was it like to 
find people who wanted to participate, mm -hmm. especially in the dialogue yeah. between two groups, the way yeah. they were positioned, which, I mean, some of that was really raw and, yeah. and just really passionate. Yeah. And like, was it, was it hard to, to get people? Because you also got really smart, good people yeah. to be in those moments. What, I did, what was interesting is the Africans are people I know. The Africans, I know, I know the Africans except one. I did not, I did not, I just, that was the first time I was meeting the, the gentleman from South Africa. Wonderful, intelligent, just beautiful. He said a lot of powerful things. And, um, and most of the people I picked are people I had talked to before, had interviewed before, and had no problem coming into the room and saying, this is my truth. And the same with the African Americans. Um, it was kind of harder for us more often. It was kind of harder. That's the reason the process took three years. Was it was really hard for us to get these two groups because you know you'd get people will say things in private, but they don't. They wouldn't want to put it on camera. And then there's a group of people also who are from Minnesota, like a lot of the mirror people you see in the mirrors. A lot of those guys are from Minnesota, and for those guys who are on, in the mirror, what I had to do was my mirrors. I did my mirror scenes first. And I had them all sit and watch. Me simply do all my stuff in the mirror. Ah, uh, okay. And then I was like, this is your moment to just speak your truth and speak it to yourself. Don't talk to me, don't talk to, talk to yourself. So that's why we have everybody's talking to themselves in the mirror. I, I was wondering about yeah. that. So, and has that, have you seen that done before? I hadn't no. seen that, that way of interview done before, no. where literally people are speaking into a mirror and talking to themselves yeah. about their own experiences. Yeah, no. So that actually was a tool for yeah. you to, to make the interview yeah. as good as possible. They were a little more comfortable, perhaps? It, it, it was really interesting. A lot of the things in that documentary were very instinct. It's instinctual. Like, I didn't sit and say, oh my God, you know, uh, let's have people in the mirror. It wasn't that. Mm. It was me walking into uh, a situation where in which I just interviewed a gentleman. And I got done interviewing him, and it was just me. And then I said, because of what he said, I had so many things I wanted to, to say in response to what he said. So I literally sat in front of a mirror, put the camera behind me, and recorded myself. And then I put those in the documentary, the first cut. And Isaiah again looked at it and said, there, there you go, that's it. Mm. And so he, that's when he started to tell me, you need to put more of yourself in it, because every time you put yourself in it, you come up with something different, and the same thing happened with the opening sequence. Mm. That narration at the beginning was, I took a camera and I had friends of mine and we went to the beach, and I was just like, oh, why don't you boys just play? And I decided filming. Really? I decided filming them. And they were like, what did you do? I said, I said, I'm just going with something, right? I said, filming, I filmed all that stuff, and I went to the editing room, and I put it together, and then I looked at it, and then I wrote the narration. Oh, so the story came after yeah. the filming. Yeah. Wow. The story came, yeah, it, this was a really living documentary because it, it's, it was changing constantly. Mm. And I, there was a lot of um, calling out, and I'm, I'll just say this at, at the expense of most people not understanding. There was such an awareness of why I was, that's the only thing I had, was why I was doing this. And I wasn't doing this for me, and I wasn't doing this for Africans and African Americans. I was doing this for the people that were lost. That was the only thing I had. Mm. And so whenever I got frustrated and I, got, and I didn't know, I would sit in the corner and just say, ancestors. That's all I'd say, like, I don't know. And then I would go out and try something and it would fit. 
And I'd just be like, okay. So I learned to depend on that. That one word was all I depended on for like a year and a half. Like I would sit and scream like, I'm so like literally, I would do that. Wow, and all and, and you were working really instinctually, yeah, and instinctually. it just when something felt right, yeah. then you knew that it was working. Yeah. So tell me about um, the the film opens with a story being yes. narrated. Did you write that story? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's about two brothers. Yeah. And it's it's very beautiful and so interesting that the image came first. Yeah, the image came first. <laughs> um, and so is that typical in the way that you work? Because when you were younger, yeah. you were writing first. I was writing first, yeah. But, but now, but in making a film, you actually captured the image, image first. first and then wrote yeah. about it. Everything, image came first. The hooded ten, all that. Mm. The image came first. And I was shooting these images on instinct, and I had no clue why. And so mm. when I finished shooting it, and I sat back and I said, oh my God, we are masked. But the images came first. I, I had no clue, so I was just going on instinct. And, and like I said, I literally had to allow myself to do that because everything I had written down wasn't working. It was not working for me. And so I just let it all go and said, okay, ancestors, clearly there's a story you want me to say and I'm trying to go with my own story. So let me just be quiet. Whatever it is you tell me to do, I'll do it. Wow. So you were giving yourself the freedom yeah. To take risks, yeah. in a way, and not yeah. to overplan it, no. for example. I literally threw out the script. Wow. And I was like, okay. And so what I had to do was I would cut, I actually would go to the editing room, and I would put the pieces together myself. I had to learn how to edit. So I'd put the pieces together <laughs> myself and listen, because I have a friend who's an editor. Uh, his name is editor Dan Fayok, who told me, before it looks right, you must make sure it sounds right. And so mm. I would put the cuts together and I'd listen to it. And sometimes I'd turn off this, I'd be walking around just doing cleaning the kitchen and listen to the story and make sure it made sense. And then I had like temp narration and all that stuff. Oh, that's interesting advice. Yeah, yeah. so oh. I had to make sure it sounded like there was a through line, like the story made sense. So there was a lot right. of moving pieces around. Yes. So, so you recorded interviews, how many, how many hours? Because... I, that's a lot to edit down. I think we had 75 hours of interviews. I think we, because we had a lot of interviews and a lot of time. So like Dr. Joy DeGruy, we have four hours. Yeah, she's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So um, did you, was that also instinctual, choosing what from the interviews to pull? Yeah. And that must, did that also require a lot of listening? Right? Yeah, you have I listened to, to the whole It has to connect, right? From yes. interview to interview. Yes. So wow. I had to sit and... It's interesting when you shoot 75 hours because it means you have to sit for 75 hours and listen to everybody. <laughs> right, step one. Again, <laughs> yeah. And then what I did was I didn't just listen. So everybody's interview is typed out. And I did that on my own. I would sit down and type everybody's interviews completely, the entire interview. You were transcribing Transcribing everything. everything. I transcribed everything. Because you needed to see it I written needed to down. See it. Uh, okay. I had to read it. And then I'd pick different things out. And but what, what that did was even even a year or two years later, I can sit somewhere and I and I watch something. I'd be like, um, that's good. But I remember she said something, and I can literally remember what everybody said. I'd be like, um, she did say something about that. I'd be like, really? I'm like, yeah. Go to page six, and you find it. <laughs> she did say something about that. And and we had so many so many people didn't make it mm. in the documentary. We have a lot. So many people didn't make it because at the end of the day, I had to kind of, um, so many subject matters that were discussed did not make it. 
There was uh, a lot okay. that was discussed, but we had to really streamline the story. Mm-hmm. Just streamline it so that we can get something that is more palatable and that it's useful. Sure. You know, I know a lot of people are expecting like Jerry Springer-esque people fighting. And that was one thing that I knew I was not going to do. Mm. I was not going to have this kind of folks out with punching bags in the street. I was not going to do that. It had to have... We had to know where we were starting from, which is the whole versus place where we are starting from this place of contention. But how did we get there? And how do we get away from there? Mm-hmm. So that was really important. That at least I had down. Yeah, like, and that comes through. Yeah. That comes through where it's sort of like you're in this tunnel and yeah. then you see towards the end that there, there are some positive possible outcomes yeah. and that people were very yeah, um, And also where optimistic. it came from. Yeah. Where it came from. How oh, did yeah. this two roads come about, mm-hmm. I think was also very important. And it's not just important in the context of these two people. I think it's a really important way to look at history, period. When you're dealing with people on opposite sides of history, I don't care whether you're looking at black people versus white people. It's when you go into the history of what everybody's struggling with, you begin to realize how bound we are to each other. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. No matter how different we think we are. And I also was really struck by how little people knew about each other's histories and that people seemed, and, I, and I'm sure, I know this is true in real life, not just in the work you're doing, but that people are afraid to ask. Yes. And so once that cracked open, yeah. where people were like, oh, we can ask questions and it's okay if we sound ignorant, yeah. but then all like so many um, positive things were sort of sleeping in what people didn't know yeah. about each other's pasts. Yeah, they, we don't. And that really came across strongly. It, it, and that was, it was, that was, that's a great point because that I felt was the most, that was the lesson I learned, mm. was not only do we not know each other, we also don't know ourselves. Like mm-hmm. you would sit, I met a gentleman from Senegal and I was talking to him about the, the soldiers of Dahomey, because Senegal, Dahomey, Dahomeyan soldiers were women. That back in the day, back in pre, post, pre-colonial Africa, and during before the age of the slave trade, they had, the soldiers were women. And so I met this gentleman from Senegal, and I was mm. like, oh my God, you have such a rich history and the Dahomeyan soldiers. And this man looked at me and was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm. I was like, uh, wait, what? Uh, you guys have like the only recorded true Amazonian soldiers on the planet, and he was like, I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, I was just like, oh. Well, I, and Isaiah says this, which I love, we're pretending to be something we're not because we don't know who we are. Yeah. And that to me was like a really important moment. Yeah. I think everybody there. is, not just the group he was meant, he was talking about. I think, I think we just all are. Mm-hmm. Everyone. Everyone's trying to find their way. Yeah. Yeah. And we're basing it all on things we've been told. Not necessarily things we've experienced, but things we've been told. You know? Sure. And that's what you begin to realize. Everybody's reacting on information that's been passed down. And sometimes it's not the correct information. But we're all responding to that. So when we meet each other, we all have this information. And we think our information is complete. But it's not. Because I've just realized that I, have no, I don't even have the full story of who I am. Because for that, I need to sit down with you and get what your story is. Mm-hmm. Then I get a clear idea. Which I might not know. There you go. <laughs> right. So in my interaction, like if somebody asked me, oh, so how did, the pro- how did your interview go in the project room? I can't give the full story because you have to be there to give your side of it. Then they have the full story. So we are all just one half of our own story. 
but walk around thinking we're the whole mm. story when we're not. Yeah. We're just not. It's a wonderful point of view. Yeah. Yeah. So this, um, making this documentary seems to have shifted your role mm-hmm. in ways, I mean, you're really, you've really created something and you're the, you have a position of, of leadership in this, yeah. in this project. So what, does this feel like a new direction for you and, and your background as a performer? I mean, how does that feel? Do you feel like you're, you have, you're wearing different hats or are they all kind of part of one big hat? <laughs> you know, that, that, that documentary was wearing a lot of hats, that's for sure. Mm. And um, it's so interesting because this is my first film mm-hmm. ever. Like, I've never made a short film. That This is my first film ever. And I was struck by that. I was like, wow. To go straight into a feature was just bold. Mm-hmm. But also, I think it's... I have no idea where this is going to go. I have, I have no clue. And you're smiling when you say that, yeah. so that's a good thing. <laughs> I have no idea where I'm going to go. I have no clue whatsoever. Yeah, and, but um, that can be good. It is. You're open to things happening. Yeah. yeah. And that was, that's the thing. It's just when you say whatever, you just become open to like, wow, let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. A little scary, but. <laughs> yes. You know? Yes. So do you see yourself um, continuing with acting? Or is this, or maybe you don't, you don't know yet? I, I have no idea, because I mm. write nonstop, mm-hmm. nonstop. In fact, you know, we have um, a feature that is, fingers crossed, about to go into production. And, but I have a project that I really, and what I've learned to do is I try to pull out of my own life. Because I think when you do that, like the documentary and all that stuff, when it comes from an unauthentic place, it's, first of all, I think it's probably easier to write. Maybe, maybe not. And it's, I, th- I don't know, I just, so that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at, okay, what, are, what do I want to do next? And mm-hmm. looking at the stuff that is already written, because I have scripts already written, and figuring out, do I want to direct this? Do I want to act in it? Do I just want to produce? Because doing this was, you begin to understand, I have tremendous respect for producers. Now, tremendous respect for directors. Mm-hmm. Tremendous respect for the post-production process. Tremendous respect for DPs. Just a lot of respect for what other people do. And now I understand why when you watch a movie, the credit roll is like five minutes long. <laughs> it needs to be five minutes long. It might even need to be longer. But um, it's not easy stuff to do. Mm-hmm. But it's easy when you're, once you've done it. So I, I don't know. Wow. Well, congratulations you. on your first film being yeah. so ambitious and a feature yeah. and so interesting. Is this the premiere of the film yes. at Seattle International yes. Film Festival? Yes. That's very exciting. You're like one of 10 people who've seen it. I'm so honored. I can't tell you what an honor that is. And I'm, you know, lucky for Seattle. Yeah. Well, it seems like you had uh, some good advisors along the way with Isaiah. Yeah. Yeah. And it really does take a lot of people People, to pull something like this together. Especially if it's your first film, Mm. you know. So I had a lot of consulting. I consulted with, like, Sichua Powell, who's a director, uh, Matt Smith, who's a producer. So I would sit down, Dan Fayok, who's an editor. Uh, I was at Washington and I would sit down with all these people like in different stages of the way and they would give me notes. Then there's nothing more brutal than getting notes from professionals. Because <laughs> you have to be able to take it's it. It's how we learn, right? Yeah. So, 
but they helped move it along and everybody dropped a little nugget mm-hmm. in here and then what I didn't see they were able to pull out like the narration at the top Sichua Powell sat down with me and she says this is great you have a folktale here mm-hmm. now continue with this and I was like okay and I'd keep going that's why I asked like, if you yeah. wrote it because it sounds so timeless yeah. And yeah. yeah, I wasn't sure where that came yeah. from. I mean, you did such a nice job of yeah, seamlessly integrating that into everything. That's yeah. the writing. That's because That's the I've writing. written for so long. Thank goodness for your yeah. 10-year-old self. Yeah. So, so we can credit your easy listening yeah. jazz, <laughs> jazz as the early beginnings yeah. of this. Back to, yeah, and I, those old songs, like, what was his name? I listened to, like, Peter Cetera. Oh, wow. Chicago. I yeah. Know, old love songs, and you'd be like... It was called, the show was called Late Date. <laughs> late Date? Yes. It was really? called like Late Date, like in the middle of the night. Like I'd turn off all the lights because, you know, it wasn't cool to be writing. My father was like, you need to be a lawyer. So I'd like turn off all the lights in the bedroom. I'd light up a candle and I'd write. And, and secretly write yes. like a love story? Like anything, whatever. I'd be candlelight and I'd just write. <laughs> and you hear footsteps and you go, <laughs> the candle, because you don't want to be caught writing. Oh, that's too good. Yeah. Oh, my god. It's a lot of crazy stuff. Like Do you still have your first attempts at writing? Yes. Oh, I have how the, special. I have the 500 screen, 500 page, handwritten screen, because I used to handwrite, because, you know, I didn't have whatever, so everything was written by hand. Screenplay that I wrote, I still have it in, like, a huge wooden box, because you have to carry it like that. And the first kind of, like, Mills and Boone story that I wrote, handwritten on, like, Oh my gosh. Um, what are they called? Like notebooks. I still have those. And from when you were like a yes, child? Yes. Oh my I gosh. have those. I'm so glad you still have those. Yeah. I mean, clearly this is the career for you because yeah. you've been working on it for your years. whole life. Yeah. yeah. And what was interesting is that because I did it so much in secret, and I hope this helps somebody, because I did it so much in secret, it took so long before I had the courage to actually let people read that stuff, mm. which was one of the things that for me was like this gap that took so long because it took so long before I was confident enough to like let someone read that stuff, mm-hmm. you know? And then people were like, oh my God, how long have you been sitting on this? Three years, what? <laughs> you know? So that was a big leap yeah, to go from leap. actually producing the material, like making yeah. the thing is just one part of it. You have to be able to share it yeah. and get feedback and rework it. Yeah, yeah that's a that, whole other stage. It is. Yeah. But it builds up your confidence as an artist as well mm-hmm. and your own voice because you should be able to support the decisions you make against people who say that that's the wrong decision. But if you don't put it out there, then that muscle, you don't get to work that muscle. And that's what I've been doing for the past year and a half. Putting a screenplay out there for the Sundance um, Screenwriters Lab. And that was huge for me to put stuff out there for them to call and say, oh, we want to see more of what you've got. It was you know, and you're like, ah. mm. so it's not breaking, but it's a process we have to go through as artists. You have to put your stuff out there for it to be seen. So true. Yeah. yeah. And it makes, hopefully your work's, you know, better for it in the yeah. end and that you're, so. you know, you develop, a, like you say, you develop the muscle, but you also develop the strength yeah. to move forward yeah. and not be deterred. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm reading this book by, um, her name is Sandberg. What's her name? Uh, this, uh, Lean in. Oh, Cheryl Sandberg. Cheryl Sandberg, yeah. And she was talking about how it's particularly harder for women, you know what I mean? Because we have this place where we want to be successful, but we also want to be liked, mm-hmm. kind of sort of thing. And she talked about how, and men have like a completely different way of processing mm-hmm. stuff. So reading a book has been just 
an eye opener for me about really yeah I, was, oh. I recommend that book it's it's amazing to see how men process things which mm-hmm. that's what I'm more interested in is every time she breaks down how men process things I'm like wow <laughs> no wonder it's, and and it's just amazing how she says women will be like yeah I could have done this better I could have done that better and a man will be like oh I aced that mm-hmm. you know they're like confidence is like Whee. right it's just it's amazing yeah, I definitely yeah. relate to the, the. It's like the the ability to make a decision and yes. move on. Yeah, I think is a really important skill, and it's something that I certainly struggle with. It's yeah. like make a decision and then question it, yeah. and then wonder if it was the right one. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you've wasted all this time, Honey. and it's like make the decision and move on. And That's move something on. I'm working on. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right. Well, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful conversation. Oh, and congratulations you. on the film. Oh, thanks. And I wish you the best of success thank you. in all of these things that you are doing and developing. And thank we'll just you. we'll see where it all goes. Okay, Congrats. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thank this is you. Fun.